Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We all know water is a basic necessity, but a number of tribes continue to struggle to provide clean drinking water for their citizens. Federal environmental officials deemed the water for the Santee Sioux Reservation in Nebraska unsafe to drink. That was four years ago and a solution is nowhere in sight. We'll hear from Santee Sioux officials about how they're addressing drinking water problems coming up right after the news. National Native News, I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Oglala Sioux Tribe has announced a state of emergency due to increasing crime. The tribal government alleges the federal government is not doing enough to support reservation safety. South Dakota Public Broadcasting's C.J. Keene has more. The declaration was made by Oglala Sioux Tribe government representatives in Rapid City as a result of concerning crime trends over the last few years. Among the most pressing issues are a murder rate over twice the national average and suicide rates among Native youth that's well over two and a half times the average of the rest of the nation. While the tribe has entered a mutual aid agreement with regional law enforcement, tribal leaders say federal government needs to do more. OST President Frank Starr comes out, says the U.S. government is in violation of the 1868 Fort Laramie Treaty and the Black Hills Act of 1877. We don't live in Indian country, we survive. This needs to change. It's time to bring awareness to the world that the government has a responsibility to uphold and that's treaty obligations. In multiple treaties dating as far back as 1825, the United States government is named as a responsible entity in protecting the Oglala Sioux tribe and its people from, quote, bad men. Further, the 1877 Black Hills Act formalized the existence of the Pine Ridge Reservation and the ceding of the Black Hills to the American government. That treaty was signed after the so-called sell or starve rider cut off all rations to the Sioux people. Those treaty interpretations led to a lawsuit last year that continues to move through the court system. This May, a federal judge ruled the federal government does have a treaty obligation to fund tribal law enforcement. OST Council Member Anna Halverson reflected on the changes she's seen. I feel like long time ago we maybe dealt with one homicide maybe once a month or once a year and now it's every day and it's just getting very horrendous crimes being committed. Oglala representatives will send the proclamation to lawmakers in D.C. to agitate for additional support for reservations. Additionally, President Starr comes out, says he hopes to speak directly with President Joe Biden soon on the matter. For National Native News, I'm C.J. Keene in Rapid City. A new memoir called Survival Food shares stories from growing up on the Menominee Indian Reservation. The author, Thomas Wiso, was born in 1953. He passed away in July before the book was published. WUWM's Lena Tran reports. Thomas Wiso grew up in a time of economic transformation, when commodity goods were eaten alongside game from Wisconsin's Northwoods, and then there was the rise of processed foods. He often wrote about food. Here he is speaking in a 2021 interview with Wisconsin Historical Society Press. We, we should think about where our food comes from, because I, if we think where our food comes from, 
we'll take better care of the land around us. And if we take better care of the land around us, we take better care of ourselves. Wiso's wife, the writer Denise Lowe, says he was interested in writing about Indigenous people in the present. He had a very Zen sense of like, what's here now? And not what were Indians like, or Indigenous people like, a hundred years ago. Here we are now. That's why you'll find all kinds of recipes in the new book, from tamale pie to turtle soup. There's instructions on how to forage milkweed pods, which Wiso writes are tasty with butter, but he likes mixing them with canned tuna into boxed mac and cheese. He doesn't just stick to indigenous food. He tries to embrace the diner foods that he loved also and to accept that there was an intermixture. Wiso's taste celebrated that unique mix found only in Wisconsin on the Menominee Reservation. For National Native News, I'm Lena Tran in Milwaukee. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Penguin Random House, publisher of Contenders by Tracy Sorrell, illustrated by Aragon Star, the story of John Mayers and Charles Bender, the first two Native pro baseball players to face off in a World Series. This and other stories at prh.com slash stories of the land. Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean & Walker, LLP, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for over 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. The Santee Sioux Nation in Nebraska is currently without clean drinking water. Tap water going to residents' homes has unsafe levels of the mineral manganese. It's been that way for at least four years after the Federal Environmental Protection Agency issued a no-drink order. A long-term fix is costly, especially because the current water system serves relatively few people. Drinking water problems are shared by a handful of other tribes around the country, The Passamaquoddy tribe endured a four-decade struggle to fix a pervasive water quality issue for their residents. Today, we'll talk with tribal leaders and others from Santee Sioux and Passamaquoddy to get an understanding of the issues affecting drinking water in their communities. As always, we want to hear from listeners, too. Tell us about the drinking water situation where you live. Is your water safe to drink? Call us at 1-800-996-2848. On the line now in Santee, Nebraska, is Chairman Alonzo Denny of the Santee Sioux Nation. Hello, Chairman Denny. Welcome to Native America Calling. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Also from Santee, Nebraska, is Vice Chairman Cameron Runnels of the Santee Sioux Nation. Welcome, Vice Chairman Runnels. Hello. It's good to be here. And from Santee, Nebraska, we're also joined by Mike Crossley. He is Santee Sioux and the land manager for the nation. Hello, Mike. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Glad to be here. And also joining us from Bangor, Maine, is Lisa Sakabason. She is a health and wellness administrator and the co-CEO of Wabanaki Public Health and Wellness. She's also a citizen of the Passamaquoddy Tribe. 
Hello, Lisa. You've been here before. Welcome back to NAC. Hello, Sean. Good to be here. Thank you, Willie One. Chairman Danny, I'd like to go ahead and begin with you. And if you could tell us more about the problem you folks are facing up in Santee. How long has the water been contaminated? Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on the radio today with you guys to bring some enlightenment to our situation we have here with our nation and our drinking water issues. Um, in the words of our vice chairman, our crisis we have on our hands. I've um, been in office now for a little over a year and I, so I reached out this morning and got some background information on, on our water and how long this has been going on. And this has been going on since 1986. The tribe recognized then that we had a problem within our water with the, how hard the water was, the smell, and all the mineral deposits that were within our water. It was shortly after that, you know, the land management and the EPA started looking and working together, looking for alternative solutions for possible drinking water and clean drinking water for the for the nation here, you know, um, to no avail. Here we are in 2023, still battling the same issue 37 years later. You know, we can go into May of 2020, there was a no drink order that was put in for infants and elderlies within our community due to the high levels of manganese that were found within our water and all the other mineral deposits that within our water wasn't but shortly a year later in February of 2021, EPA came back out with a no drink order because the water was inadequate for consumption for all. So here we are today, still looking for solutions and alternatives to how we can better the water for our community and our nation. Um, In March of 2022, the tribe did go and ask the state of Nebraska for assistance in finding solutions to our drinking water problems, and we were turned down at that point in time. Chairman Denny, this issue dates back almost 40 years, 1986. What's causing the high levels of manganese in the water? I believe it's just a natural mineral that's getting into our water reservoirs and things of that nature. You know, um, I can't really go into depth. I guess it's just it's, it's natural mineral in the ground that's getting into the water, aquifers and and how is it impacting the people there in your community? What do they have to do? They can't drink that water, right? It's just, it's just got too much of that manganese in there. It can create a lot of problems. Yeah, well, you can get on the Internet and look at what manganese do at high levels of consumption, you know. But obviously, if you're not able to drink the water, we're not able to cook with our water. We're not able to do a lot of things with our water. Um, we have to bathe in this water. We have to wash our clothes in this water. And it's a you know, the federal government, the EPA is telling us it's unsafe for consumption, you know. So the tribe is taking a stance at trying to find alternative solutions. We're looking at, um, we've had, and I give my hats off to the BIA, you know, they've um, awarded us a grant to where we're able to deliver bottled water to the homes here on the reservation, you know, but eventually that funding will run out too. So we're going to be looking down the line at where we can get funding to continue that operation, you know, so people have positive, good, clean drinking water. And how does that work? I mean, I could see bottled water for maybe a short period of time, but that must be an enormous cost for people to be bathing and and drinking all bottled water. Bathing in our water that we have, but cooking and drinking, we're using bottled water. 
at this current moment in time, you know, bathing and doing laundry and things of that nature, we're still using the current water system that we have. Gotcha, gotcha. And and what are you hearing from community members? I mean, in addition, to just the inconvenience of having to wait on bottled water. What are some of the other challenges that they're facing in their homes uh, with this water issue? You know, with the hardness in our water, I'm my myself personally. I'm constantly changing out the filters in my faucets, my shower, my shower heads. You know, we're just constantly doing things of that nature, which is a big inconvenience. You know, but as far as Drinking the water, you know, hats off to the tribe for, you know, pursuing these grants and getting bottled water to the homes um, for cooking and cleaning um, for consumption. You know, but with Mm -hmm. their cleaning and whatnot, we're still using our current water system. Got it. Got it. Vice Chairman Runnels, uh, tell us more. What's it going to take to get clean potable water flowing through the taps there in Santee? Yeah, well... It's gonna take uh, money, you know. That's that's what that's what this all kind of narrows down to is is funding, and it's one thing that that we don't have. Um, you know, we just recently, you know, we could have we could have uh, went with Indian Health Services uh, plan that they had for us, which was a water treatment facility, but the cost of maintaining and training people would have would have just been something that the tribe just could not could not pay for and in the water treatment facility in 20 or 30 years we'd have to be replace it and go through the same process that we're going through right now and so we're looking for that long-term solution we don't want to kick this problem down the road to our kids and grandkids and we have we have a, a plan that we, we we think we know I think that would solve the whole the solution or solve the problem. It would eliminate manganese, you know. But but that's the one thing that that holding us back is the money. And it's mm-hmm. going to take a, a a an effort from the federal government uh, to live up to their 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 treaty promises that they that they promised us and vice and that's what vice chairman i'm sorry down to. Yeah. okay um I, I keep hearing the cost the money the money about how much will it cost to get that water safe there in your community can you give us a, a dollar figure yeah well, so i would anywhere estimates from anywhere from 40 to 50 million dollars to bring a water line um, from basically across, we live right on the northeast Nebraska border with South Dakota. The Missouri River is right there, um, across the across the river here by 20 miles is a uh, is a real uh, a water district that was willing to to help us, and, and they would run an emergency line. I believe it they called it that would hook up to our water system and that's what how much it would cost is 40 to 50 million dollars for the construction of this thing and how much uh what type of funding commitments do you currently have in place uh to to reach that total well um we have 
Indian Health Service that, you know, that would probably chip in something when that time comes. Um, but like I was saying, you know, this we're going to multiple agencies are, are going to have to help us fund this thing. You know, we don't really have, you know, we're, we're not a wealthy tribe. Um, we don't have really anything besides the money that we have to buy purchase to buy bottled water, you know, which is expensive on its own. It's just $6,000 a pallet or a, a truckload every two weeks. And, and that's basically what we're, what we have right now. So $6,000, so roughly $3,000 a week for all of your tribal citizens to have enough bottled water to eat, to drink, and, and, and take care of some of these other basic basic needs. Is that right? Right, and that's about three, three to four cases of bottled water per home. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, it's, you know, before that, you know, people were having to purchase their own water, you know, and I, and I think before this issue, people were just drinking water out of the faucet, you know, not really knowing, you know, that there was a serious issue that could cause neurological effects to your, your brain if you consume it over an extended period of time. And I don't know, it's just really, uh, it's just a really sad, I guess, you know, and unfortunate. And it sh- it sure sounds that way, Vice Chairman. We're gonna have to take a break, but when we come back, I I, I want to ask you and Chairman as well if you folks are seeing any symptoms with uh, tribal members from from this water with the high levels of manganese. But we are gonna have to take a short break. We'll be right back. This is Sean Spruce, host of Native America Calling. You can listen in every weekday to hear the only national call-in show from a Native American perspective. We explore topics that range from traditional cultural practices to -to up-to-the-minute news that affects every American. We hope you can join us for the next Native America Calling. Association on American Indian Affairs welcomes all to Tribal Museums Day, December 2nd through the 10th. Tribal museums may offer no-cost or reduced admission, art markets, and cultural demonstrations. Tribal Museums Day honors Native nations as the experts of their diverse cultures. A map of tribal museums and more is available at indian-affairs.org slash tribalmuseumsday. The Association on American Indian Affairs supports this show. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. We're talking about problems some tribes face to get clean drinking water. The EPA issued a no-drink order in the Santee Sioux community in 2019, and we're hearing from them and other tribal officials about what it takes to secure a basic resource for life. Is what you're hearing today similar to what your community is grappling with? If you have any water issues where you live, join our conversation, 1-800-996-2848. We've got representatives of the Santee Sioux Nation on the line right now. And Vice Chairman Cameron Reynolds, before we went to break, I asked you, uh, are you folks seeing any symptoms, any physical symptoms or ailments with any of your community members do or that, that can be traced to these high manganese levels in your water? 
Well, um, I guess to answer that as best I can, um, there's no data or study that we have in our community that pinpoints um, a health problem directly from our water supply. And that's probably, you know, from a, a, you know, maybe lack of funding or maybe just something that was, wasn't really a priority just because, you know, things have been focused the last couple of years on how do you get the clean water. And also just really quickly, um, if you look in our, our swimming pool in the summertime, you clean out the filters of that swimming pool after a month or three weeks or whatever, you know, those things are caked with what I, what, with like this clay substance. And if, if that's what's in there, you imagine what is in our body and what that does to you. So is it causing cancer? Is it causing high blood pressure? You know, we don't know those, those, we don't know these things. We, we need some kind of, study or some kind of data or, or maybe even help if there's anyone out there that can help provide funding for that. That's something that we probably need to do. Thanks, Vice Chairman. I'm going to take a call now. Rourke is listening up in Newtown, North Dakota on KMHA. Hello, Rourke. Welcome to Native America Calling. Hey, Sean. How are you doing this afternoon? And uh, Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to have you, Rourke. I a, you... Yeah, I, I just had a comment uh, regarding the uh, the treatment plant that you guys were discussing for the uh, water kind of problem issues that some communities are having. Um, for for one, you know, North Dakota has prided prided itself with uh, a, a lot of these lake sources. So here in Newtown, they're they're the tribal segments do have water treatment facilities and i do believe it's federally funded maybe that could be a a a project you know for the tribes that are that are undergoing some risks in their water that maybe they can go that direction and not to mention you know a lot of native communities uh, all across canada i think 189 of them don't have clean drinking water and that that's another political matter because that has to be taken within differently a different uh, you know perspective federally federally perspective I guess you would say so I guess in order to get clean drinking water for the communities we have to go through the direction of the agreements on the tribal establishments I would think. Mm-hmm. Well, Rourke, that's an interesting insight. Federally funded water treatment facilities uh, through the BIA, it appears. Chairman Denny, um, does that sound like a viable solution, or perhaps you folks have already explored that option? We have explored the option of um, a water treatment facility here within our reservation and um, through the help of IHS and then health services. And one of the things that were brought forward was it would lower the level of manganese, but it would not eliminate the level of manganese. It would not eliminate the the smell or any a lot of the other contaminants that are in the water. It would just minimize them. And when we're looking for 
a long-term solution. You know, we're looking at seven, eight generations down the road and how we can provide clean drinking water to all of them generations and not just today, you know. So a level of, um, I want to say it was a $1.2 million operation, you know, just in chemicals alone to operate a water treatment facility is the numbers that we came up with. And as we were doing a lot of our own research and looking at different avenues of how we could get water. So, you know, it would minimize it. Would it eliminate it? I don't believe it would. And that's through the help of with IHS. Um, they actually did a feasibility study. They've been out here doing environmental studies. They've been digging all over the reservation, trying to find different um, aquifers to tap into. But we're running into the same issues all, all throughout the reservation here. Well, thanks, Chairman. Let's hear from Mike Crossley now. He's the land manager for the Santee Sioux Nation. And, Mike, I'm really concerned with uh, this chemical, this mineral manganese and these high levels. What are the dangers? What do we know about the dangers and the risks of having these high manganese levels in drinking water? And and basically, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of what BA, B, or EPA tells us, and that, that is um, the, the chance of blue baby syndrome. Um, and that's why when the first drink, no drink, no consumption order came in, it was for the infants, pregnant women, and, and elders. Um, within about a year's time of that um, is when EPA came back um, our levels were still increasing, and by then it, it had gone to where entire community was was under a no no drink order because of this manganese that we that we have in our groundwater. Okay, now is it true that boiled water advisories don't have any impact on manganese? Uh, correct. As far as far as the consumption, the boiled boiled water uh, is not helping. And why is that? It it just doesn't. I mean, I'm not clear what the what the chemistry is there. Well, in terms I'm, of... I'm I'm not a I'm not a chemist or anything on that on that by boiling it, um, but but I will tell you this is um, when you boil that water in a in a pot, um, the residue that you see left in that pot, you you wouldn't want to drink it either. Okay, after seeing what that does, um, being boiled down, and and like the chairman and vice chairman have said. The effects of what this has done to uh, water faucets, um, it, it limes them up, it eats the workers out of them. You've got dripping faucets. Um, there is such a high mineral content in this water. Um, it's just costly to keep replacing um, all, all your indoor faucets and things. And uh, again, well, well, Mike, I'm, bottled water I, is away. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm curious, like, is like, you know, after everybody has to replace their faucets every now and then, especially some of these newer ones that are that are made of plastic and things like that. So, just curious, like how long do you put a brand new drinking faucet on a home with these high levels of manganese? How long does that last? A year or two, and then you're replacing it. You're almost annually is what you're going to replace. These wow, faucets. wow, yeah, that's really really crazy. Um, well, Mike, what do you think is the solution? Uh, what can be done to fix the the problem and get clean water up there? You know, the, the tribe has been through numerous different types of feasibility studies, both with the Bureau of Reclamation, and we've been through the feasibility now with I, IHS. Um, 
the way we're looking today, uh, the council went on record, passed a resolution to go with a regional rural water system coming out of South Dakota, out of the um, Lake Francis case, and we would bring that bring that water down into the reservation here and put it in into our water distribution system. And it looks like that is going to be the most cost efficient system for the long term of this of this reservation. Now that's the the same solution that that Cameron and and the chairman mentioned earlier and so we understand that there's a huge cost with that. It could be up to $50 million. And then, Mike, if you could explain a little bit more about what type of infrastructure would be required to get that water down from South Dakota into Santee. Uh, basically, we would be looking at a pipeline, and, and uh, it would need to be sized for either our community or, um, depending on the availability of funding, is there are other communities outside this reservation that are in this same type of situation that we are, that we could actually maybe help become the distributor of, of a good clean water source for other small communities that can't afford their own, their own type of um, water treatment pl plants and stuff. So um, mm -hmm. we're looking at, at probably about 20 miles of pipe um, crossing under the Missouri river to, to get here to this reservation. 20 miles of pipe. Got it. Vice Chairman Runnels, what are you hearing uh, from the state of Nebraska or even surrounding communities there in Nebraska? Are they facing similar challenges that, as to you folks with regard to these high manganese levels? Well, like, uh, like Mike was saying, it's, uh, it's a regional issue. Um, our, the neighboring community here, just right off of our tribal land, um, they're in this, uh, pretty much the same exact situation. Um, and it's just like that with, with most of the counties or most of the, the communities inside of our county. Um, you know, we get from the state, you know, we get a lot of sympathy, you know, but you get no, no kind of guidance, no kind of assistance, no, you know, we went and testified a year and a half ago the appropriations committee for the Nebraska state legislature to try and get funding. You know, it was a, some bill that was, that would have brought funding to the tribes of Nebraska for water infrastructure, you know, and ultimately that bill was, was shot down, was vetoed or whatever happened. And you know, so we don't get, we don't, we don't, you know, that's, we don't get nothing from the state really, you know, other than, you know, we're sorry you're going through that, you know, and that's, mm -hmm. that's about it. And this community, the neighboring community, are, are they interested in working with you folks to, to solve the water crisis? Well, I, I, I think those discussions are, are kind of mainly preliminary, um, but I believe they would be, you know, just because they're in the exact same predicament on and you know, how are they going to how are they going to afford you know to pay you know 20 million 15 million for a water treatment facility or a 50 million dollar pipeline or whatever mm -hmm. and i and i think and i think that's 
you know, where we are willing to help people help those communities, you know, and that's why I think this, this, this project is not only important for us, but, you know, it could be important for, you know, some of the neighboring communities where there's tribal members that live inside at those communities too. You know, we have tribal members that live in a lot of the neighboring towns around us. You know, the northern or the Ponca tribe of Nebraska is they have a headquarters just off the, just off our tribal land. Um, you know, they're in the exact same situation. And, you know, it's, it's, like I said, this project's important for us, and it could be important for them. Chairman Denny, so right now folks are getting bottled water. It's coming in in pallets. How long is that a viable solution? Because I understand that's funded through a grant. What happens when that grant expires and you no longer have the funds to continue to purchase the bottled water? Because even if you can get the money together for this uh, huge infrastructure project and bring the water down from South Dakota, that's going to take time. It's going to take a, 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 quite a few, I would think, at least a few years. So what happens when the, when the bottled water supply is no longer viable? Well, I guess that's where we got to be proactive and um, looking at different funding sources, um, different grant options, you know, that we could pursue prior to the big um, fund exhausted, you know, so we can continue that 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 service to our community. Um, you know, it's it's a real concern. You know, that's a that's a great question. You know, it's a real concern. You know, what do we do? No, I believe the last grant we got was uh, next to $160,000, which is supposed to sustain us for almost a little over a year, maybe, you know, if if that. And, um, you know, we're going to be looking for different sources of funding to offset some of these costs so we can continue to service our community with good drinking water and, you know, potable water so we can eat, eat, eat decent food without worrying about some of the health impacts of these high levels of manganese, you know. It just kind of blows my mind, and I'm going I'm to speak very freely here, you know. Um, if you get on the Internet, you look at some of these things that are caused through manganese, you know, Parkinson's disease, reproductive problems, impaired motor skills, memory loss, um, headaches, insomnia, psychiatric issues, you know. Uh, women breastfeeding shouldn't be using this to feed their babies with, you know. So we got a – that's a real crisis. We have a real crisis on our hands here, and we have a real crisis within our our region here. You know, like Chairman Runnels was saying, Vice Chairman Runnels was saying, it's not just a tribal issue; it's a regional issue that we face here in the Northeast Nebraska. You know, and it blows my mind. You know, you sit back and you look at what's going on in the world today. We could send trillions of dollars somewhere else so somebody could have clean drinking water, but right here in the great United States of America smack dab in the heart of the United States of America, we have the same issue that's being overlooked. It, it don't make sense to me. Chairman, what do you hear from community members on a day-to-day -day basis? I, I'd imagine this is just getting old and tiring for them having to rely on bottled water every day. You know, our community is very grateful for what is going on here. You know, they're very appreciative of what's going on. You know, um, a lot of them, you know, You've heard me say in the beginning of this has been going on since 1986. I'm 42 years old. I was six years old when they discovered this issue. You know, I grew up drinking this water. You know, what is the long-term effect of what's going to happen to my body, you know, let alone some of these people that haven't even had, you know, were born within that time, you know. Um, 
I don't think they really understand the seriousness of what's going on here. And, you know, we, as we're sitting here looking at possible solutions and bringing awareness to this situation we have at our hands, our crisis we have at our hands, you know, it's, it's about education. It's about educating our community of what's going on, you know, and it, as tribal leaders, it falls upon our shoulders to find them solutions and look look for them solutions. And so, therefore, you know, here we are today trying to spread the story to gain traction. And then this past year, I want to say, you know, our story of our water crisis here in Santee, Nebraska, has gained some traction. We've had individuals from the University of Nebraska Medical Center, you know, like Mr. Reynolds said, you know, we're very sorry you guys are going through this. We hope you find a solution. We're going to have to take another short break here. We're learning all about some of these water challenges, safe water challenges in tribal communities. When we come back, we're going to hear from Lisa Sakabasin with the Wabanaki Public Health and Wellness Organization. Lakota-made indigenous first medicines and eco-friendly personal care products are small batch prepared in the Lakota traditions using sustainably harvested natural and organic ingredients and all can be found at lakotamade.com who support this show. Does your club, institution, or other group need custom branded apparel? A wide variety of t-shirts, hoodies, and much more, all custom printed or embroidered, are available from nativescreenprinting.com, a division of Skyscreen Printing who support this program. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Still time to join this conversation about clean drinking water. 1-800-996-2848. Give us a call. Share your thoughts. Uh, maybe you don't have uh, safe water challenges to the extent that we're talking about today, but maybe you just live in a community like I live in a community where periodically there are issues with the water and they'll contact us and tell us we have to boil all the water for several days or different issues like that. Last year we had a water break and uh, we were without water for about four days. So just little challenges like that can make life tough. It can make things a challenge. So if you have experience or anything you'd like to share with regard to any type of clean drinking water issues that you've experienced there with your family and your home and your community, give us a call. Tell us about it. We'd love to hear your story on Native America Calling. The number is 1-800-996-2848. Once again, that number, 1-800-996-2848. Our phone lines are open. We're waiting for you to give us a call. Lisa Sakabasin is the co-CEO of Wabanaki Public Health and Wellness. She's a citizen of the Passamaquoddy Tribe. And Lisa, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And I know that the Passamaquoddy Tribe endured a drinking water problem for about 40 years. And can you see any parallels between what you folks have experienced and what you're hearing now from the Santee Sioux Nation? Oh, absolutely, Sean, and thank you for having me back, and it's an honor to be here with other tribal leaders across the nation. There are so many similarities in this story, so many similarities, I believe, when we look at ourselves nationally, what communities, what nations are experiencing dirty water, unclean water, And you see it amongst our indigenous populations. You see it in our black and brown communities. You see it where people are living in poverty. This is an issue that is so resonant and also critical for us to be talking about. I thank you for your time and attention on this issue. Absolutely. Um, Well, 
give us an update there in terms of uh, what types of issues that you folks are, are facing up there in Maine and, and what some solutions have been. Yeah, I appreciate that. And when you opened up to welcome me, you said endured. And what I will say is we continue to endure a 40-plus forty plus year history of having access to no clean water. What has happened since, you know, just over a year ago when legislation was enacted to allow the tribes in Maine um, access to regulate their own clean drinking water? Well, I can say we're still having access to dirty water. Wabanaki Public Health and Wellness, the organization that I helped to lead, works closely with every tribal nation in Maine and indigenous people who call Maine home. And what we're still continuing to do is deliver bottled water. The story is so similar to what we just heard. We are continuing to, to deliver bottled water over 1,500 gallons per month since April of 2020, 55 gallons, 55,000 gallons of water being delivered. Water is still being delivered in bottles, which is a way that, you know, unfortunately does not help our environment. It has implications, it does harm, but it does bring clean water to our people. So that is the update. We're still continuing to struggle with the issue. Clean water is still a problem in our community and we're continuing to make sure that our tribal citizens have access to at least clean water through bottles. And what exactly is unsafe about the water there where you live? Is is it a manganese issue or something else? Yeah, so it's a different issue. It's trihalomethanes is what they call these toxic chemicals. Toxic chemicals that the also the United States EPA found dangerously high in this drinking water. Um, what that is is it forms when chlorine is used to disinfect the water. So this is a byproduct of trying to clean what is dirty water to begin with. Okay, understand. And our producers checked on. So the issue with boiled water and manganese is that it's it's not a parasite, it's not a bacteria. So when you boil the water, it just concentrates the manganese with it and, and actually raises the level of manganese in relation to how much water you have. So it doesn't work. But in your case, Lisa, with regard to the trihalomethene, is a boiled water advisory, is that something that can curtail that issue? So so I'm not sure if a boiled water would completely curtail that issue. What I would say, what is difficult about the water, and I heard our other tribal nations speak to this, is that the water smells. It doesn't look like clean water. It has um, a different feeling to it. So when the water does not feel and look and smell like water, there is going to be an aversion to use the water. And so boil water, I believe, could help in this issue. I am not the person to answer that question. However, there are other issues that create it difficult to be using that water for consumption. Okay. Now, uh, the folks there at the Santisu Nation, uh, they see the solution as being a pipeline coming from another state with clean water. Is that an option there in Maine where you live? 
I, you know, we are the northeast state in the nation. Wabanaki means the people who greet the first light. So we see the sunlight before the rest of Turtle Island. And so we are at the end <laughs> of, the, of the country. Of course, Canada is not far. Um, but that being a solution, that's not something I have heard. I have heard more accessing our own groundwater on our lands. Um, there's definitely been talks and, and certainly conversations that are ongoing. But again, I am not the person to talk about those solutions. Okay, that's interesting. So perhaps accessing groundwater. What about um, any types of health issues that can be traced to these high triohalomethene levels? Lisa, are sure. any other symptoms? Yeah. Sure. And what was talked about previously is something I'd like to talk about too, and it's the access to adequate or accurate data. And that is an issue that is complex and is certainly an issue that indigenous nations face across this country, that there is not an infrastructure or the investment in us being able to collect and build our own data systems. So what we do know from stories in the community, from anecdotal data, if you will, is that this has caused complications. People have complained of skin irrit you know, irritations and skin breakdown. Now, what's happening inside the body is what concerns me. That is what we don't know. And that longitudinal data will only be available if we build the systems and the infrastructure to be able to collect it. And that is something Wabanaki Public Health and Wellness is eager and committed to doing right now into the future. Okay. And Lisa, where are you getting your water? Is it a public utility? And if so, do they have any responsibility to, to address these water issues? Or is, does that entirely fall upon a community such as yours or perhaps the community we're talking about in Nebraska there, the Santee Sioux Nation? What about the utilities that supply the water? Absolutely. So the utilities that supply the water, it's called Passamaquoddy Water District. You would think that that is owned and run by the tribes, but indeed that is the municipal, you know, the, the district for the area. Um, they are working hard. Wabanaki Public Health and Wellness has worked with the municipal district, as has the tribal nation, working to find solutions, working to find funding to help upgrade their systems. The legislation that we were able to pass in April of 2022, LD906, actually removed the tax barrier that was on that water district. That was the only water district in the state of Maine that actually had to pay property taxes. We were able to lift that to the legislation that we passed, providing them the additional resources to invest in their systems. So definitely a complicated, interesting history where this district had a tax burden. Now that is lifted to this legislation to support the tribes and the community beyond. All right. Thank you, Lisa. Chairman Denny, I want to ask you the same question. Where do you folks get your water and, and that utility company? Are, are they taking any responsibility on their end? Well, our water is pumped from the aquifer that we have here. We have wells here on the reservation that is pumping our water for us and bringing water into the community. So it's a tribal entity here within the reservation. 
Um, as far as our bottled water coming in, we order that from a vendor, and that comes from a different vendor, and then we ultimately we're paying that vendor, you know. So to okay, your thank question, you. we, you know, our infrastructure has been in place for countless amounts of years now. I think we have three or four different wellheads out there that pump water into this reservation and throughout the reservation. All right, Chairman, thank you for that update there. Appreciate the clarification. And Lisa, back to you. And I'm interested in learning more about the community members and just how they're holding up with these ongoing challenges with having to use bottled water and and some of the related uh, just day-to-day challenges and the ordeals they face as, as families. Absolutely. I think what you just stated is exactly the concern I have is that we can deliver that clean water. And yes, it is expensive. It is not good for our earth. And we, can get, we still can get clean water to our people. However, the day-to-day toll that smelly, dirty water takes on individuals and families is real. When you think about, and it was stated, I believe, by the chairman earlier, we're in the United States of America, and there's, you know, I'm sure there's maps of where there's dirty water issues. Where is that will where we are addressing those issues head on? There is no doubt that when you are faced with dirty water, that you have no choice but to use that water for, as was talked about, doing your laundry or washing your hands. That that certainly has a physical impact, but that emotional impact of being invisible for so long, and we've talked about these issues also during that time, mm-hmm. and being ignored. Yes, we can pass that legislation, but where's the will and the dollars that follow that? That's what's difficult. They depend on the same infrastructure to apply for those grants to secure those dollars when the reality is we should be having teams of people coming to address these issues, not a competitive right, right. process to access the dollars. Well, I know one of the challenges with, with any type of infrastructure it, it, on tribal lands or anywhere else is that when this stuff gets old and people don't like to spend money refurbishing old infrastructure, they'd rather build new bridges and new infrastructure and exciting infrastructure that people can see and, and enjoy. But when it comes time to maintaining old infrastructure, whether it's water, whether it's an electric grid, it's just not as exciting. And I think sometimes that creates challenges when it comes to having to, to get the money to, to refurbish these types of infrastructure uh, equipment and, and related issues. But Lisa, I'm also curious just because, you know, from a health standpoint, people will tell you that you almost, it's almost impossible to drink too much water. We should, we should be hydrating constantly throughout the day, drinking, drinking, drinking. And if, if families are dependent on getting these shipments and these deliveries of cases of bottled water, are, are there certain situations where people have to comp- or be conserve a little bit and just can't drink as much water as they probably should just so they can maintain enough water in the household? Well, that seems like a likely problem, for sure. We deliver our water every Wednesday. And I would imagine that when that water is getting a little low and it's Sunday, that you're Mm -hmm. rationing water. And just as you said, do I have data on this? I don't have data on this, but it just makes sense, (laughs) human sense, 
that if you only have a short supply, that you're going to have to think about how you're using that for the week that you have it. Yeah, I would think so, because for most people, if you've got clean water where you live, you just drink as much as you want whenever you want it, and, and you realize that that's just a resource that pretty much is, is there anytime you need it at your disposal. So, Lisa, uh, we're starting to wind down the show here. we got about another minute, but anything else you want to add or any other issues or topics that we haven't touched on yet with regard to these unsafe water issues that some tribal nations are facing? The only thing I would like to add is for us to be examining and talking about these public health crises that are happening amongst Indigenous people every week of the year, not just this week of the year. Here we are during a week that we've turned this holiday into a season of pure gluttony and consumption. And that is not possible (laughs) in our communities when we don't even have access to basic human needs like clean water. So I ask us to be front and center every day of the year and not just these days where we wonder how Native people are doing. So Sean, I thank you and um, really appreciate this time. Well, Lisa, I appreciate your time as well, along with Chairman Alonzo Denny, Vice Chairman Cameron Runnels, and also Mike Crossley, all from the Santee Sioux Nation, for educating us and uh, updating us and bringing us up to speed with regard to water issues, water challenges facing some of these tribal nations. Serious business here, folks, on Native America Calling, learning about some of these struggles that uh, some of our brothers and sisters in other parts of Indian country are facing just to get clean, safe water into their homes every single day. Hope you can join us again tomorrow. We'll be talking about gaps in the foster care system for Native children in South Dakota. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. I'm Sean Spruce. Native American-made gifts at Ho-Chunk Inc.'s Sweetgrass Trading Co. include food, beauty, and wellness items from across Turtle Island. Christmas delivery available for orders placed by December 18th at SweetgrassTradingCo.com. Ho-Chunk Inc. supports this show. Fry bread. That's the message. Support by Val's Fry Bread, providing her famous fry bread mixes and other products in wholesale and retail quantities at valsfrybread.com. Fry bread that will take you home, available wherever you live. Medicare <laughs> Nitiwa heki ob zani wapi il oich iguapo. Isama soliachi hantan la kozani oti iliayo healthcare.gov. Nish lilmas aphayo 1-800-318-2596. Le wotchaniki Medicare to Medicaid oti etahiapalo. Ho, hechetuelo. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Quantic Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.